welcome back again to another special day here at Thunderdome Metal Reviews. As some of you may know, we've been doing this for a while, and today marks our fifth birthday. Look at us surviving five years. With me, as always, are David, Tracy, and Gabe. I'm Ben, and we're here to talk about Black Sabbath, as is customary on our birthday. It is. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? I'm ready to worship at the revival of Sabbath that we have on a yearly basis as we walk start of our fifth year here at Thunderdome. Another year older and not much bolder. <laughs> Certainly not any wiser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not even in the mix. Probably stupider. But anyway, I'm ready for year five. <laughs> I'm just uh, killing myself to live over here. There you go. <laughs> we all are. It does. <laughs> so this being year five, this should be pretty obvious. We are following this in release order. So we are doing... Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, the fifth studio album by Black Sabbath, released on November of 1973. It's not giving an exact date here. So, whatever. It was three years ago. I think in the U.S., it might have been De- December 1st, just what Apple's giving, but that may be U.S. Anyway, yeah, that's somewhere in awesome. there. Late uh, 73. Yep. Runtime 42 minutes and 35 seconds. The band, you know them, you love them. Ozzy Osbourne mm-hmm. on vocals and synthesizers. He also clapped his hands and played the tambourine, which are both important contributions. Tony Iommi on guitars and piano. He also played some synthesizers and a harpsichord, an organ, a flute, and clapped his hands as well. Also, he is responsible for the bagpipes. We will discuss whether that is good or bad. Geezer Butler, bass synthesizer and Mellotron, hand claps, and nose. Bill Ward, drums, bongos, timpani, and hand claps. These are a hand clapping bunch on this album, gentlemen. Where's the t- where's the timpani spiral architect? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> uh, like, when did timpani happen? Anyway, yeah. Who are sure. you in spiral architect? Yeah. Also, shout out to Rick Wakeman from the band Yes, who we were talking about last mm-hmm. night, who does yes. the keyboards on Sabra Cadabra. Yeah, yeah. And the family members. <laughs> yeah, because he was next door recording a Yes album. They're like, "Can you come over here and do this?" <laughs> And he did, thereby spawning two entire Clutch albums. But more on that when we talk about tracks. For sure. Mm -hmm. So usually we ask why we picked this, but we picked it because it's their fifth album. (laughs) So so we got another, what, three with this original lineup. So that's a good amount of years. If we make it it three more years, we will have done the entire Aussie of with Black Sabbath until... 13, I think it was. Yeah, it's 13. But even Bill Ward's not a 13. Well, we didn't mention Bill Ward. We were talking about Ozzy. But... Oh, well, well, I thought we were just referencing the entire original lineup recording an album together. Because they lock just... him back in Clearwater Castle and make him do it again. Yep. As they almost OD on drugs and envision rapes. Yeah, dude. I read a lot about the disaster. It was them coming off of the tour from four. It sort of sounds like they're power slave moment in terms of intensity of touring like iomi collapsed uh, way they too much he was cocaine was happening <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. i thought he was gonna die they took their first break since the band had like essentially formed and when they came back together they couldn't write anymore like they went back to la where they'd written same place where they'd written four and nothing happened so they were like fuck and so they went back to england and as one does in england went to the forest of d and to clearwater castle where like deep purple yeah. recorded their led zeppelin there was a studio back then they almost tore it down but anyway it, half of it burned down in the early 20th century anyway that was apparently spooky enough to inspire that whatever this is and i gotta say i didn't know this album as well 
as two, three, and four. Those albums I knew pretty okay. Like I knew Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, and I think I'd heard maybe Sabra. Uh, I'd heard Killing Yourself to Live. So I knew some of these from like compilations or just hearing them, you know, on metal radio. But this is my first real repeated spinning of this. I don't know about the rest of you all. How much Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath you've had in your past? Like Gabe, who lived in the 70s, obviously. <laughs> he was there. I mean, <laughs> it depends what you mean by there. But to get to find there and prove he wasn't. Right. <laughs> I was there in spirit, baby. Yeah, your own totally. your onboard spirit was there guiding him along the ways. Mm-hmm. I You're just I want to point out walking it, down the corridors. For sure. The freaky was there, they're like punky each other wearing armor and shit. What a bunch of assholes. Like they were a bunch of dicks. The, <laughs> huge dicks. The point like nobody slept anymore and they were like constantly afraid. It was so insane. I want to point out the intensity, and I think Maiden had a similar thing, though. I don't think they broke quite this fast. I mean, this band, what is that first album? 69? Yeah. This is only four years later, and they've already put yeah. out, you know, two-thirds of the riffs that would ever be produced ever and defined genre and toured so hard they were almost all dead of cocaine. Yeah. Like, so, that is an intense... I just think about, you know, Seven Dust Last Night, we were on album 14. I feel like these people had lived six bands' lives in... Just oh, a few minutes. I mean, well, yeah, because it, it, it doesn't even really slow down because they released their next album the following year. It's so, a 75 like, they're almost dying and, 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 you know, everything. And they still release an album the next fucking year. Yeah, because this comes That's... out in November and Sabotage came out early in uh, July 75. Some year and change. That's a quick turnaround. Well, time. That's in America. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, fucking hell, Paranoid and Black Sabbath were just like boom, boom, right after each other within the same sure. year. Like Irish twinsing it, and just like good enough. <laughs> it was a different world, but yeah, just an enormous amount of creativity. Though Aussie admits this is when the wheels started coming off the bus, and like oh, even Geezer was pissed that like, why am I writing your lyrics? Like you're too drunk to function. Alcohol was, I think, even worse than cocaine, just destroying them. Yeah. Um, so, so in hindsight, this was, I mean, they, you know, they put out another three albums together, but Ozzy at least feels like this is when it started to go, uh, sheaf, like go awry. Well, I think it's also worth pointing out that they talk about how the music business was different than hence why they were doing this, but it wasn't like, I, I think the direct quote, and I don't remember which one of them has said it, maybe it was Tony, but who said, it's not like today where you could just go real, put out a, a heavy metal album. We were still chasing trends because that was what the record company demanded. And so we were still trying to stay on the radio. They were just starting to get taken seriously, too, despite all that. Like, people didn't think they were doing anything that was worth paying attention to. Indeed. Critics hated like, their, those albums, those early yeah. albums. So the, the establishment or like the mainstream sort of critics were just like, eh. We don't care. And so they were trying to get more people's attention. And of course, there's an enormous amount of pressure. And this is my, you know, first time that I've spent any serious time with this record. And I I was pleasantly surprised. And I think that one thing you can say is that, you know, maybe they put a lot of pressure on themselves, but something came out of it. You know, they, for me anyway, they sound more competent in terms of songwriting mm -hmm. than they did on volume four on the whole, like, I think that there's less like mocking about, about, and there's less like wastes of tracks mm -hmm. on this. They really get down to it and they're trying to put out songs and not just like, I don't know, screw around in the studio. Not to say there's no experiments on here, but I think it's more competent on the whole. Interesting. 
this album for me hearing them talk about the writing process remind me a lot of the revolution or reinventing this deal like round process pantera had to go through to where they're just like fuck we gotta do whatever we can to get the mojo back for it but stylistically here in this one this reminds me a lot of like makes me think so like similar to like when the beatles made that transition that start to incorporate a lot more elements of like you know what? we're not just a pop band doing these like by the numbers classics let's, let's try which go out on a limb here and try some out and i think on this album it's a bit hit or miss i don't think i think it's kind of like the weakest album of the ones so far that i've that we've done at the release and but it's it's good enough for trying to stretch out and kind of do it and like you'd see it here in a little bit like a track one off or two on previous albums but here it's like every album they do something a little bit different every time just a little bit to see how they can nudge it and make it work i mean when bands was reading off like instrumentation parts that everybody's getting credit for it's like damn that's a lot of different stuff that people kind of fit in, into there to make it work one critic i would refer to it as the first prog album because that genre didn't exist either right and so this the kind of stuff that Tracy loves and Ben, depending, loathes, <laughs> depending on if it's well executed. Uh, you know, this is a little bit of that. Uh, I'd forgotten that this is the one where keyboards showed up. And some of those keyboards, I'm not a huge fan of looking at you, who are you? <laughs> I feel like they didn't age very well. But the piano and some of the background organ stuff uh, on here is like, I'm like, oh, this is where Robot Hive Exodus and Beatles Street to Oblivion came from. You know, that sort of reassertion of blues. It was a reminder of how much they had drawn from that world in the first place. So some of these, I think, are, are pretty successful, this experimentation with. And they'd done a little of that, as Gabe said. It wasn't necessarily very disciplined on the previous albums. Them fucking, It sort of seemed like they were fucking around. But there's like I, five instrumental tracks on the last record. It's like, I know. It's like, why, doing? guys? What are you doing? Um, Good songs, but yeah. Here, I also want to say, I think Ozzy, you know, I, I've heard a bit less, even less of the albums after this, but his vocals are about as good as they ever get in some ways. You know, he's never been a super strong vocalist, as we talked about, though he's quite distinctive, but I think here he's nailing it pretty well. I feel like in that curve of experience, but then snorting too many ants and too much blow, like we're sort of... We're in, in the sweet spot we're in the sweet spot where the ants are in there but they've not impeded his ability to project i don't know they haven't yet developed in his brain and stuff but developed yeah a, a hive inside his skull anyway i felt that this one uh i thought the vocals were quite strong production was really crisp and nice which i guess isn't a surprise but um you know they weren't in the bahamas yet they hadn't quite hit that point of <laughs> that was that the fifth uh, maiden album that they go to the Bahamas and spend way too much fucking money for no reason. I guess because the producer wanted to. Well, you yeah, it's Maiden Killers. I think it's Power Slave is the first one. I think a couple recorded there. I think Somewhere in Time was recorded there too. Somewhere, I don't think Power, I think Power Slave was still back in Britain. Yeah, yeah. well, I think, I think, I think Somewhere in Time is a couple of different places, but I don't remember for sure. Doesn't matter. These motherfuckers ended up playing around and fucking around in a place in LA that failed, fucking around on a castle, and then going to London, bang, London and banging out probably, I'm sure, in like two days or whatever. Three days. It's interesting to to, to hear this called the first prog rock album, because I can definitely kind of see that. But to me, this is like the moment where, just all along, even before their first album, they, they kind of wanted to be Led Zeppelin. Yes, and I agree me, with that. This is by hook or by crook, where they become what Led Zeppelin was, which is just a rock band as opposed to like, there's still touches of what, you know, we know as heavy metal, but it's like not as heavy metal as the first four albums, even though it wasn't really even okay. a thing. Um, it's, it's them just transitioning and kind of 
um, evolving past the genre, even though the genre wasn't fully deformed yet. I think that's true. I think this cover is the most metal of any cover they'd put out. But the sound, yeah, particularly like I really like Looking for Today. I'm sorry I keep pushing into tracks, but it's kind of almost just a straight rock song. Yeah. This is the session where they and Led Zeppelin got together and jammed and played together, which was apparently recorded but never put out. I would love to hear that because they couldn't agree on whose songs they were going to play. So they just jam roomed that shit. And was it um, Led Zeppelin or just John Bonham? I think it was. I read it as that Led Zeppelin showed up. Okay. That's just, and again, I wasn't there. I don't pretend to be a black Sabbath historian, but uh, I'd never heard of this. No, apparently, because yeah. I think they were recording also nearby. And so they just like. <laughs> I know Bonham and um, Butler formed a relationship. It's actually just a couple of days ago. I saw a. a news article where butler was talking about bottom had played him like demos of cashmere and shit so uh, that sure. wouldn't surprise me if, uh, and again, again who knows whether it's a full band or or how many how many who constituents of led zeppelin do you need to be considered all of led zeppelin you know uh, do we have a quorum <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah so i mean i think that this is i mean i owned this album i have owned this album but like you know, not to, to get too spoilery, I never listened to it as much as I did the first four. Just because, again, it, it is it is slightly different, and it's that doesn't mean bad. It's just it's not what I'm, I'm not what I think of when I think of Black Sabbath, for the most part. And we'll get to that when we get to tracks, but for sure, yeah, it's got its moments that are like it opens in a way that sounds pretty Sabbath, but then you're like, wait, what's happening? Yeah. I mean, already by track three, <laughs> you're like, yeah. wait, and I mean. It's, at least not half instrumentals, as Gabe pointed out. But, and I feel like that's kind of like true among a lot of Sabbath fans and at least mm. Sabbath music because you really only hear Sabbath, Buddy Sabbath off this album. Unless you really try to deep dive within them, do like we have, there you rarely hear anything else off this album. Killing yourself to live, you hear sometimes. That was Kurt Hammett's favorite, but most of these I agree with you. It just vanished. Yeah, and that's not always true. Like you know, Planet Caravan is immortal, but Fluff. I mean, it's yeah. literally the name of it is Fluff. <laughs> it's in it's the not. name i mean just... that said i i feel like maybe you want to call it the prog moments on this record i think those are really really the cool moments whereas i think the bluesier stuff i kind of am over it on this record like i think that and really not to get like too far into tracks but like sabracadabra it's like a throwaway for me anyway because i feel like they've done that before and they've done it catchier better you know they and, have done it with a piano <laughs> yeah that's maybe an argument to make but but I just feel, think like if they had wanted to be Led Zeppelin, they could have done that by now. And I think that this album shows that they actually could do more than just that aspiration, which is fairly like, I don't know, fairly straightforward for them to do. And like I said, like the songwriting is for me what shows up on a number of the kind of prog, I guess you would call them prog ear tracks where they have more interesting things going on, which to me says that maybe they are some like a band to be taken more seriously. They're not just aping Led Zeppelin. They're not just trying to ride that train, but I could be alone there. And I certainly wasn't around, you know, when it came out. So I couldn't have told you what people listening to it for the first time might have felt. It's a good question. And as, you know, Ben pointed out, there was not genre snobbery yet. I mean, it's yeah. barely even a thing. So, I mean, I think a lot of people at the time just called it rock. So it probably wasn't. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, don't know. A hundred percent. And I do think that they have, I mean, reached out beyond like the strictures of Led Zeppelin, but I think this is the closest that they come, you know, because Led Zeppelin is basically just doing a heavier version of the blues and almost all of their stuff, incorporating some world music on certain songs like the aforementioned Cashmere and, and playing around with stuff like that. Um, this is certainly 
it feels more what we would call Prague now, so I do agree with that. But it is it is something beyond Led Zeppelin that I think is the closest that Sabbath itself ever came to being like Led Zeppelin in like the variety of not just being all heavy blues all the time. Yeah, as, sure. Like the instrumentation. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So shall we talk okay. about the tracks? Sure. I, the last thing I was going to say is I think a lot of people, fans, do still consider this one of the like iconic original lineup albums. I don't think it gets nearly the shit that Sabotage does. That, that album probably pisses people off. <laughs> I haven't heard any songs off it in even longer, but I guess we'll get I, there I, eventually. I think year. this is like the album where I guess you say the goodwill runs out for, I think, the fans. I, mean, I don't want to say goodwill, cause that, but like where a lot of them kind of stop because they don't feel like there's not much radio play past this until you get into Dio again. Interesting. Well, I know they wanted to kill each other, so it wasn't going well. We'll get there again in a year from now. We'll be like, what the fuck happened in the last year? And we'll be listening to Sabotage over and over. We sure will. My only sense of that, I, I and, and I, whenever I'm talking to Sabbath with my, my friends, we never talk about this album. And when I hear people talk about Sabbath, it's usually the first four albums, so not this one. So I don't know. So whether it's like truly where all the goodwill runs out or not, I can't say, but like, and again, we'll, again, we'll get into that when we get into tracks, uh, degrading and everything. But I do think that this is, if anything, like the rest of the Aussie run with the band overlooked in comparison to the first four. Yeah. And then the first with Dio. I think part of it, though, is the first four is just so monumental. I mean, it's a Sufi and to kind of overrun those. I mean, they had to do something. Yeah. But they felt like they couldn't keep doing that over and over and over again. I mean, again, it's been noted they were afraid they'd drop off the radio and be yeah. host. I mean, my God, for every one of them, there's a hundred bands we never heard of. Yeah. But that did not make it. That I'm sure they toured with all the time. Like, oh shit, those guys are done. Yep. So I'll be ready for tracks. Waiting. Already. Ben, you've been out for a while. While in spirit, you have led every track discussion in great <laughs> Totally. <laughs> but <laughs> you, since you're actually here, do you want to lead off of this one for us? Um, I can do that. Uh, although I was going to give it to you as the other OG on the call. I mean, I'm... Tracks. I'll go ahead. Do it. Robert. All right. So I'll be remiss to say Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. That's one of the first Sabbath tracks that I actually ran across. And so that was one of my first introduction to Sabbath back when I was like 14, 15. So definitely them. National Acrobat. Um, fluff is fluff. I think killing yourself to live is pretty solid, and I dig Spiral Architect. I guess I will go next. Um, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath is actually one of my favorite Sabbath songs. Um, it is a great, ferocious opener, and I don't think that the rest of the album really matches that. There's still some good stuff. I think most of the tracks on here are good. Um, I do think Spiral Architect is also a pretty awesome closer, but you know. And none of the tracks are bad. I don't even like hate the instrumental, even though it is well-aimed. But yeah, I just think that it's as good as the rest of the stuff is. The only great track is Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. I guess I'll jump in. Well, um, I was going to say, let's just keep going to order seniority. Or you can go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'll just like, like my department. You... Who gets the window office? All right. So <laughs> fine. Jesus. I, I don't have a whole lot to say. You know, I like a lot of the songs on here, three-fourths of them, because a couple, Fluff, that's why, and then Who Are You pisses me off, and I should be talking about the songs I like, not the songs I don't like. It's just, and I have a high tolerance for bleeps and bloops, but it just sounds like shit on here. I don't know. 
and and, and Dave may be about to undo this because I know he said he likes some of those moments, but that song is not great. But Seven Forty Sabbath <laughs> is a monster track. We'll see. Uh, National Acrobat. I don't know what the fuck that means, but it's a good song. I love Sabracadabra because I'm obsessed with Robot Hive Exodus and From Pale Street to Oblivion. So for me, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Uh, I really dug that song. Killing Yourself to Live is quite good. I like Looking for Today. That song is quite good. It's not exactly a metal song. I don't know. Maybe it is, but it, it's one of the ones that was mo- most struck me, Ben, as you say. It's like, oh, this is sort of like Led Zeppelin. Fire Architect is an okay closer. So the only issue, of course, is when you're taking two tracks off, this album is only eight songs, it's only 40 minutes. So that's, we had some of that with four. And like, by the time you take the instrumentals off, this is like an EP, but that's what I got. Well, I think I just, you know, heard this album differently than you all did. Um, I don't think all that much of the opener. I don't think it's a great opener, actually. But I do think a National Acrobat is a great follow-up to it. And I don't have a problem with Fluff because it's an instrumental that has substance, as silly as the title is. Um, whereas like a lot of the other instrumental stuff they were doing was just stupid and like not really thought out at all. They took their time and they put it together. Sabracadabra is an okay closer to the side. Killing Yourself to Live is amazing. Looking for Today is great. And I really love Spiral Architect, too. I think those are fantastic, um, fantastic tunes. So I also think Who Are You is dumb. Um, well, and I, again, I'm pretty tolerant of that stuff, but uh, and I like Moogs even, but here it's just doesn't, it doesn't work. But you know, it's more albums than I've put well, out. Well, it's so. also it's not just that it's a, um, a Moog synthesizer, it's that Ozzy wrote that. I mean, Agreed. he basically wrote it. And like, let's be honest, he's not he's not the composer of the group. I know when I read that, I was like, oh, he wrote this. Hmm. I tried. At least they let him on like Bruce Dickinson. Maybe, on. maybe Tony needed to be a little bit more like uh, Stephen Harris. <laughs> yeah, you know, you cannot write anything. Go in the back to your corner, Bruce. And Bill and Keith are just like, oh, can he write some lyrics though for a change? Like, I'm oh, tired of Jesus. doing these shit for him. Indeed. <laughs> I mean, snorting ads, y'all. So those are some songs. We have analyzed them, and now we must grade it we as must. a whole. And after grades, we get to do the year of Thunderdome. So don't sure Thunderdome. Yep. <laughs> All right. Ben, you want to start us off again? Uh, well, you started off last time, but yeah, I'll start us off. <laughs> I, again. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll give it a B. I think it's the weakest one of the ones that we've done so far, even though it's still nowhere near a bad album. And so a few legendary tracks, others that are very underrated. But again, when I'm wanting to scratch that Black Sabbath itch, this really, other than the Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, isn't the album that I think of. I'm going to second everything um, Benjamin just said. Except for the grade, I'm gonna give it a B plus. I enjoyed the progier elements of it that it does bring in, but I mean, if you're if you're wanting Black Sabbath, you go listen to Black Sabbath. You listen to the other four albums. Typically, like you don't really hear this one much, but I'm gonna give it a B plus. I'm gonna plate the shit out of this because I think it's awesome, and I didn't mind things like adding piano other than track six. I'm gonna give this an A minus, which is a ton higher than Tracy, but a little bit. Yeah, I you know I think it's worth a listen. I think it's better than what comes later. I think they go off the rails a bit after this. We'll see as we get into it. Just reading some about it, and I listened to a couple of tracks. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so a minus for me. Well, to combat that horrible inflation, I'm going to have to take it down all the way to between a B and a B plus because I like it just about as much as I like Volume Four, which is to say, I also don't think it's their greatest work, but I really like a lot of it, and I would be I'd be lying if I said I didn't. So there you have it. Yeah. That gives us an average of 88. Would you buy this album? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, look at it. 
<laughs> I mean, it's got a badass album cover. It might be. It, do, it does. It's probably their best album cover, except oh, for I agree. the first one. At least of the ones we've done. Because Paranoid, I love that album, but that's a terrible album cover. But it's terrible such an iconic cover. cover that it is. I know, but that doesn't make it good. It's awful. <laughs> what the fuck? Are you a sheriff? What's happening? I just run into the woods. Anyway, they had a dollar and they spent exactly. that dollar. It's like, we've got a dollar and the zero can do four different colors. So <laughs> This guy did a million movie posters you'd recognize. Like, you know, Empire Strikes Back and Indiana Jones. All, all that was him. They, they had usually did this movie poster art. They had reputable funding. Yeah, they had money. Well, that is an album we have analyzed, and and we have graded it and done the thing. We did the thing, Tracy. We did do the thing. Our fifth box Sabbath album, hopefully. Next year, y'all can tune in with us as we do Sabotage on August 16th, 2024. Drop it now. Just be ready for it when it does. And I want to mash that up with BC Boys Sabotage somehow. Anyway, and, go and, <laughs> and let's just throw in Sabotage okay. and Paul the Mountain King just to get a nice little Sabotage. <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, what's our year in review? I know you our got the stats and stuff. So who wants to bet on the lowest number of out? Who gave the most number of F's last year? Oh, Ben, you don't even need to ask that question. It is Benjamin. His name is F Holster. That's his birth certificate. That's a, that's a winning F- bet if I ever heard oh, it offered. Yeah, so. yeah that's um, bad. So Ben with his numerous Fs at number five at five of them came in with the lowest average grade of an 83 that sounds right second is mr gabriel cooper with an 85 that sounds right too and the dean sent him to fuck yeah, him to i'm, grade I'm really here to combat inflation yep mm. i come the in fed of thunderdome <laughs> i come in with the second highest grade average of an 86 and david has the highest at an 87 Fuck yes, I earned that. So what was that? An eighty-three, <laughs> eighty-five, and eighty-six, and an eighty-seven. Well, if we're going around, a pretty it, tight band, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of falls how our normal grades go. Um, Ben, you're the most... dean says we should be putting that in the C range, but we're not. <laughs> ben, you mostly graded with a eighty-five, was your most used grade, giving you forty-five Bs. That's your most common average. It's quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. I was. 88 was my most used grade, having 40. I had the most A minuses at 37. The next highest was David or Gabe at 25. <laughs> David, your number one grade was 88. And you had a lot of B. You had 42 B pluses and 42 Bs. And Gabe, your highest grade, your average grade was 81. And your most common grade was a B and B minus with 33 apiece. Now, for our first inaugural. Let's see. Did we do one? No, we did one the year prior. So the second winner of the Benjamin R. Lindsay Award is a repeat with Gabe, and it's it's not even close. (laughs) Gabe had thirteen albums the shortest chosen of our recording sessions. The next was Ben with six. Gabe's shortest pick was no, the shortest album was Gorgoth Antichrist. Any info anybody else want to know? How many total grades were there? Like. How many albums did we do in this last year? Because it'll be less than what we have done because we have our production schedule, basically. Um, well, we did 181 this year. Okay. Previous years. Um, year three, there was 198. Year two, there was 176. And year one was 100. So yeah. we're no longer doing four albums every week with no breaks. So we were that extra break in there. So, yeah, we'll, so we'll probably be back down to around 100 for year 
I was just wondering, because I want to put out, no, I don't care, because you can call me the F hoster, because I, I will drop the hammer when necessary. But like, I, if I gave five Fs out of 180 whatever albums, that's really not a whole lot. Me, Your reputation me. precedes you, though. It doesn't doesn't yeah. matter what you actually do. <laughs> yeah, Ben, you don't shoot down everyone in the street, but when you do shoot someone down the street, everyone sees it. and knows. Everybody knows about it. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows about it, and they know they could be next. I'm like so. the freezer at the casino. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether I'm actually going to do it. <laughs> Indeed. Um, me and Ben are the only ones that gave an F last year. I only gave one F, and that was to a particular album that Gabe put in a blast in a Gorguts Obscura. <laughs> Amazing. Wow, um, that's really interesting considering we did both Nine Inch Nails and I think a Marilyn Manson last year. Mm, we didn't do Marilyn Manson last year. I think once his stuff started coming out, that's when... I couldn't remember if that was last year or the year before. Let's go Pierce Fire. Outside of an F and a D, the next grade I gave was a 75. Coward's grades. I need to get harsher. Come to the murder closet that I'm in. It'll make you a tougher man. <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to. All right. Anything else for good of the order? Anybody have any goals they want to set for next year? Squad goals. Uh, yeah, sure. What are some stuff we want to do? There's some finishing out of bands that needs to happen that Tracy and I have talked about. Yeah, there's a couple blast worth of albums out there i don't know like i was gonna finish out clutch because of course i was uh i was gonna make cattle decapitation happen because tracy deserves it sure that the, the long overdue black i mean they have 177 albums so um, um i can't think of anybody that we are close to having finished the blast on that i want to try and finish in the next year but i do want us to do a whole lot more motorhead I was literally like thinking it. of that. I was like, we should do more motor. Yeah. Do a whole blast of it. I mean, there's so yeah. much. This I would like us to get through all the motorhead. Maybe not. Uh, that would be really hard to do in a year, um, especially with the, the limited schedule that we have now where we're basically doing new releases and then just blast and um, grab bags. But did we do that insane Halloween March of Death last year? I don't even remember. I know it was Guar the year before. That did was we... Ozzy. It was Aussie. That's right. Indeed. So we it did is. do well. That could be more Motorhead. Or I guess and it's say. King Diamond this year. That's right. Right. We already talked about this. It's a lot of King Diamond. Spoilers. We're doing King, King Diamond for a spectacular. So you heard it here first. Yeah. It's in, that's needed as well. There's a lot of holes that we just kind of have missed. Mm-hmm. That's what she said. Yep. <laughs> I need to find a way to fit more Voyager and never been. <laughs> Amazing. What was the band you mentioned the other day that we were kind of stunned we'd never done it? Who was that? We were like, what the fuck? How have we never System done? of a Down? System of a Down. Oh, yeah. Which is like, ooh, they were but pretty massive. Done, but they've only done like five albums, so it's easily done in a blast. Say, we could basically do that in a blast. We just blast it. Yeah. <laughs> like because you have their self-titled toxicity, then you have Steal This Album, which is just like demo kind of that they kind of pushed into finished form they released. And then you got hypnotized and mesmerized. So I mean, yeah, we could technically do it in a blast. I mean, we've done well over 600 albums at this point and there's still like all kinds of bands that we've never talked about oh, God, yes. oh yeah like i was thinking of something interesting that we could do for a grab bag well now we're getting into the weeds of how we go about things but one of them was um i think i told you guys about the friend of me one and then <laughs> the other one was a record store day where like you could only listen to the album like you would at a record store of like 30 seconds of a couple tracks and you had to decide if you want to do that up front or not it seems really complicated I mean, it's just kind of, I mean, with how you could just pick a random new album and how you've been picking up, like, oh, I need something. You're it. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. pick something. I don't like listen to it because I don't have to buy these things. Yeah. 
When I got I metal, I mean, you, could, you couldn't listen to shit. When when I got the metal, you just you looked at the cover and you rolled the die. I mean, that yeah, was read a metal magazine, maybe. Like there wasn't even the kiosks to listen to the few seconds of songs. That wasn't a thing. I was mm-hmm. man, my mind was blown when I got to actually listen to shit. There was much more of that in Europe than here because CDs were twenty fucking dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so when they were like only fourteen or thirteen here, they were more there. But you got to at least listen. Oh, and you know that whole being able to preview an album in the store thing like initially yeah. it was actually a hard copy so they only put like really popular shit and exactly. then they got where you could scan the barcode and so they had more stuff but it still might not have a the metal album like, the big bands that it, it would usually but mm-hmm. like also them i was i already knew whether i was well, i would probably like the album or not so. you know exactly like i don't need to scan corn like i need to scan whatever this is that i just found over there yeah what does this anal cut sound album sound like <laughs> Nashville anyway yeah (laughs) well unless there's nothing else to add on here's to another year of Thunderdome goodness brothers gentlemen it's been a pleasure it always is indeed so thanks for listening everybody out there thank Thank you you. see you next time on Thunderdome Metal Reviews or whatever it is Bacall Broken Bacall Records